Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I want to tell you about the Ringer's gambling podcast. It is called Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, and you're not going to believe this, but it is hosted by Cousin Sal, the biggest degenerate gambler that I know. He's such a degenerate. He has three other degenerates that he calls the degenerate trifecta. And they break down every conceivable gambling thing you would ever want to gamble on. They even take you to Captain Morgan's Make Believe Casino, where Sal makes up props on on all kinds of things. Sports, pop culture, you name it. You are going to want to get your gambling advice from these guys. Cousin Sal, he's been a staple on the BS podcast for the last 10 years. So good that we gave him his own podcast. Check it out, Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Ringer FC. I'm joined by the Bruce Arena of the Ringer, Chris Ryan. God damn you. <laughs> <laughs> and the Yogi? Tim Howard of the Ringer. I'm not even mad. I'm just laughing because, you know, like, you know. <laughs> and the Omar Gonzalez in New York. I'd rather be Michael Bradley. That's Donnie. Who are you, Ryan? Why don't you yeah. turn that turn that acerbic wit inward? Uh I'm the guy that no one knows uh, in the youth development system. <laughs> He's coming up. Playing in San Antonio, but not getting recognized by the broken system. Wow, that's... That is leading American soccer to the worst moment in American soccer history. <laughs> is this the worst moment? Shit, but... United States men's national team will not be going to Russia to the 2018 World Cup. Yeah, we should say that. Eliminated um, should... by Trinidad and Tobago last night. I mean, it's honestly... In front of like 11 people. <laughs> I mean, thinking about this, the U.S. has not failed to qualify for the World Cup since, like, I've been alive. Jesus. We were, al- <laughs> we were alive, shit. Micah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's true for me, too. Yeah. Was it 94? 90. No, it was, no, it was They've been in every World Cup since, since 90. 90. Yeah, since 90. So it was terrible. It was awful last yeah, night. So they, they were bad. They were bad. Let's, like, make something really clear from the jump. They sucked. The team <laughs> like, played like shit. Yeah. They were outplayed they were by... awful. Yeah. So, in case you're jumping in here and actually have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> which would be extremely weird, the U.S. Uh, lost to Trinidad and Tobago last night in Trinidad 2-1. Um, and with that, Panama beat Costa Rica, Honduras beat Mexico, and now the U.S. will not be going to the World Cup. Um, I think some of the numbers had the U.S. as a 93%. Um, favorite to go to the World Cup going into last night, and all of those things happened, and now... Well, probability. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Weird. Um, <laughs> it's almost like it doesn't mean anything. Um, so, yeah, we're going to spend this whole episode sort of grappling with what happened, ask some questions, ask a lot of questions. Um, starting with Micah, as a former American soccer player, you're complicit in this, so how are you feeling? Okay, so we were talking about this last night. Coming up, the coaches that we had, there was any number of times where all you had to do was have an English accent to be a- appreciated as, like, you're appreciably better at soccer or yeah. have a more sizable knowledge about the game than the next person over simply because you sound British. That was the case. Yeah. Um. As far as, like, how I feel about about this whole thing as a former member of the U.S. Youth Pipeline, 
I was reading this piece by Brian Scloretta last night, mm-hmm. uh, and it's on American soccer now, and it's called The Missing Years of U.S. Soccer, soccer Development. Um, and basically it lays out um, – it identifies a lack of players born in the years between 1990 and 1994. That's me. That produced uh, in major international competitions or even managed to raise the professional game domestically. And, I mean, thinking about it, it's produced that from those years, three starters and one one bench player, Darlington Nagby, Bill Hamid, DeAndre Yedlin, Bobby Wood. Huh. And Darlington Nagby is also just not born in the U.S. So he's just like, yeah. He doesn't even count. But what you're saying essentially is, and what Chris was alluding to, this team is trash, basically. The the current team is trash. Uh, They have Christian Pulisic, the 19-year-old superstar, and if they didn't have them, didn't have him, I, I don't even know how qualifying goes. Um, do you think? Let me just throw like one devil's advocate thing out there. Is he almost like too good for this team? Did they become too dependent on him too early in his career? Was there a way in which like he threw off the like delicate balance of this like particular generation of U.S. senior team players? And if they were like, we'll just do the same thing we've been doing for the last twelve years, would they have maybe just been able to get through this hex qualifying? Is that crazy to say? I know he was a resp- He was like played a part in twelve of the seventeen goals that we scored in yeah. qualifying. But let's just like play a little bit of Ewing theory here. Like, could they have? Did he throw them off? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is I I just don't. I can't even think how that could be how they would have been able to do because it Because he becomes him. such a focal point. They start looking for him. Everything is like, well, we're just like trying to keep it tight and then Christian will do something. Like, there was not a lot of flow to our team. Yeah, but there's literally never been flow to a U.S. national I do team. not believe what I'm saying. I'm just asking. <laughs> yeah. I'm just asking. No, I think, I think it's more um, like... I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like without him. I, I think part of... In some of the games, the... Costa Rica game that they lost at home because um, the U.S. is now just doing that, s- you know, getting sunned by Costa Rica on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. They weren't involving him enough a lot of the time, so I, I I don't think if the players suddenly like if this is a Messi on Argentina thing where it's like Paulo Dybala is like I can't play with Messi because right. he's Messi and I'm not him. If that's the case here, that's like a massive coaching and like emotional issue that this team has to deal with right i think you know maybe they without pulisic they bunker in and just play for free kicks the entire game in fucking Concacaf, and that ends up working out um because you should qualify from Concacaf because it's literally the easiest region and so many things can go wrong that it should still work so there's a chance maybe that some randomness gets eliminated if Pulisic isn't on the field. I'm, but. I, I'm just, I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for answers. <laughs> what do you think, Donnie? I don't know. I'm curious. Like, I think it's a, I've heard it over the last 24 hours or so. It's kind of a trolley suggestion that it's better that the U.S. didn't make the World Cup um, because such a intense destroy and rebuild is required. But I'm curious, like, what the conversation would be today had they equalized yesterday or had they won and they were going to the World Cup, would we be asking these sort of existential or deep questions about 
the fate of U.S. football or U.S. soccer if they squeaked in? Well, think about this. <clears throat> After the game, uh, well, I don't know how soon it was, but it was like a really harmless cross-plated, and Omar Gonzalez tried to clear it, and it ended up going, ended up going in over Tim Howard's head. Uh, 1-0 Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, so talking about that own goal after the game, Omar, Omar Gonzalez says, we let an entire nation down. And you're thinking like, eh, maybe like <laughs> a quarter of the nation at best. Like, <laughs> it's the, the problem with the U.S. not qualifying for the World Cup is, I mean, the, the, the line of criticism here is the you are going to lose a lot of casuals, I guess. Uh, which, I mean... That's bullshit. Chris is shaking his head right it's now. It's just bullshit. Chris is like, yeah. It's B- bullshit. It's, it's not 2002 way. anymore. I don't, I don't, I feel like every single young person I meet, everything, every single person below the age of like 30 has a club they like. Yeah. People love soccer. Football is like a huge thing. It's on NBC every weekend. People are obsessed with football. It's gonna, it's, it's not going anywhere. American football is like a brutal, violent death skate. <laughs> Nobody yeah. can get through a baseball game. Yeah. Like basketball and soccer, at least from my my perspective, are the fastest growing, most popular sports with younger people in the country. And the fact that we're not going to go get our asses kicked in Russia <laughs> next summer yeah, is not going to change that fact. And let yeah. me be 100% clear. Like, I'm disappointed that they're not going to be playing. You know, it's it's definitely, I think, going to have a huge impact on United States viewership of a World Cup that isn't going to be on in the middle of the night anyway. Yeah. But but we were going to get our asses kicked. We were not going to get into, like, the semifinals of the World Cup. Like, get that through your heads. There is too much talent out there, <laughs> and we were being coached by Bruce Arena, and he was going to get dogged out in the World Cup. <laughs> so now, you know, like, the— my rooting interest is going to revert back to the thing that it was the last time that there was a World Cup in the U.S. was just going to be like, whoever has the most good black players, that's the team <laughs> I'm rooting for. Right? So, I love that theory. That's, that's, <laughs> don't. I, I, I think what you're saying, Donnie, though, is a good question because what what is the issue here? There's The issue is either the U.S. didn't make the World Cup, and I I disagree with Chris because I think – Soccer is on, like, a pretty steady trajectory up. And, you know, you look back to 2010 and 2014, there are just tons of people watching these games together in bars. And mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe that catches, like, a small fraction of those fans and they keep watching soccer. Um, maybe it's, you know, we have to think about the kids always. <laughs> you know, maybe there are kids that are watching and they see the U.S. playing and they decide to play soccer. Um there's sort of all of these things that you can't really measure and just not having the U.S. in the World Cup, it definitely slows down some of the trajectory of the U.S., I think, without a doubt. But the the issue isn't really – what we're talking about isn't – the issue isn't that the U.S. didn't make the World Cup. The issue is that the team is – essentially no better than it was in 1994. They're getting worse, right? They're they're probably without Pulisic, which, you you know, you can't say that. That's just not a fair way to judge it. But without him, it's like this is maybe the worst team of my lifetime, basically, it seems like. Or at least definitely the worst performing team of my lifetime. Um, So I'm probably being unfair to them. I have a hard time because I think I do watch a lot of club football and a lot of what I like about club football is the identity of teams and how like managers set out tactical plans and teams play to those tactical plans and those teams have an identity, whether it's necessarily related to the 
geographic, sociocultural location of the club or not anymore. Like, those teams play in a certain style. And even some of the international teams play in a certain style and have a certain energy and personality. And I think for a long time, the energy and personality around the USMNT has been this nebulous kind of, like, it's all about, like, the fans and the mm-hmm. and the will to win and the passion yeah. we have and the grit and determination. And using, honestly, a lot of American football terminology and a lot of American football psychology around a game that's a lot more nuanced than that and yeah. takes a lot more than uh, gut art. and grunting yeah, effort. Yeah, exactly. exactly. No, no, no. If, if you believe that we will win, we will win. <laughs> and that's the issue. We lost our belief yesterday. Yeah. But the other, the other thing I hear a lot, and again, over the last 24 hours, is like... Look at the size of our country and look at the amount of money we have and look at Iceland or something like that. And I know everyone's read Soccernomics and, yeah, there is a correlation. But, I mean, why does the U.S. have to be good at soccer? I mean, like what – just because there's a lot of people here and a lot of good athletes? I mean, look at China. Look at India. They never make the World Cup. I mean, I mean I the know. issue isn't the size of the country. It's the popularity of the sport. I mean, and there's a lot of, like, is it easy – well, there's easy – there's – the anytime something like this happens, the two the two things that you hear the most from people that don't know what they're talking about are, well, yeah, the best athletes in America don't play soccer, and it's Such just like, it's, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just where's just like, the Allen Iverson? Yeah, yeah like soccer. if LeBron, well, imagine did, Kevin Garnett in goal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or or they're just like you know everywhere else in the world they play soccer on every flat surface and it's just like yeah because that is the 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 nation's most popular sport it's it's the most popular sport everywhere else but here like and all it's difficult to diagnose exactly what the thing is because everything is so interconnected i mean if you don't have the popularity you're not going to get people in the door if you're not going to have if you don't broaden the like academy system you're not going to get the best players you're not going to be able to identify and develop talent it's let me ask you guys you guys both played in various levels of u.s youth soccer you played in college you played for most of your young lives in england for instance you are a kid you grow up usually if you're really good you started playing like club football when you're a kid or you play like around your you know whatever the early early life trajectory is for a kid they start getting scouted by clubs younger than 10 sometimes even. And then they start getting brought through various academy systems, whether it's a local club and then they get bought by a larger regional club and then they get bought by a larger Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, whatever. They have a trajectory that they go on, that they know every kid who's going to be good has to go into this same pool and go through this same pipeline and go through this same process. But it does seem like, to Donnie's point about the size of the country, that the development process and the pipeline is a little bit more diffuse in America. And I don't think it's entirely out of the question that with guys like Bobby and Christian playing in Germany, like that's a long flight. Yeah. To come back mm-hmm. from Germany mm-hmm. to do the traveling that you have to do. Like, I just did that flight and I couldn't think straight <laughs> for a week, much less be Trinidad. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just saying, like, there's like, as the game actually gets more popular, as more and more players go play in Europe, as more and more players, um, but you know, I'm not saying that Christian Pulisic is like distracted by being on Dortmund, but Dortmund certainly is in, is they're in first friggin' place in Germany. Yeah. I mean, like, he's in an important <laughs> season. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think that? The fact that there isn't a strong domestic league that these guys are playing in, and then that domestic league is on the same schedule as the other domestic leagues around the world, and that these guys are... I mean... No, I mean... No, I, 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 getting sort of back to what you were saying at the beginning, I think 
you're pointing at something right. Like in the U.S., there's a the U.S. has instituted this development academy system, and every MLS team has an academy team, and then other clubs throughout the U.S. who aren't MLS affiliated have an academy team, and you play essentially year-round. There are training guidelines, which we never have had, and these players are still sort of trickling into the national team picture. Um, but these, other than the MLS academies, you have to pay to play for any club team. Yeah. Like the MLS academies, that's great, but there aren't enough MLS teams to cover the entire United States, not not even close. Um, so that is an issue. The other issue is that I think this is sort of a moral and ethical question. Do, do we want kids getting scouted at age 10? Is that good for kids? Well, that's I don't know. I but germ- yep. we don't... U.S. soccer doesn't pay attention to kids until they turn 12. So in the U.S., my fucking dad is coaching my U10 team. Yeah. Micah yeah. probably had the same experience same. as me. As a 10-year-old, I was the best kid on my team. I would just dribble I didn't have through to their learn team. How I would to... just rip shots from anywhere <laughs> and score, and it's like, what the fuck is that getting me? If I was in England... But when you turned 12, or when you guys first got to the first level of like that, organized that soccer... That didn't exist when we were playing the like, academy. Yeah. yeah. we sort You sort of find your way through like club, club teams, teams, um, and, and you, you hope to... that you get a good coach. Yeah. Um... It is the U.S. being this big makes it near impossible to systematize development in the way that Germany and England do, where they have, or I don't even know if I want to use England. England relies on the professional clubs in Germany. Yeah, I was going to say Germany's the better Germany model, right? sort of, all of the clubs are under the same umbrella, and everyone is sort of training the same way, and there are training system, training centers all throughout the country. So, like, if a kid in M- Missoula, Montana is, like, showing out at age 11, someone is going to see him no matter what yeah. in, in Germany. Yeah. Here, no one's going to see that kid. If his parents can afford for him to play, then they'll drive him to the nearest academy, which could be six hours away. Right. Um, so the size of the U.S. sort of makes is an, is-, is an issue, but at the same time, if the U.S. like maximizes its potential as a soccer nation, they're that's the best soccer playing country in the world just because of all the resources, right? That's never going to happen. But even with sort of the resources we have, which are like a technical director and like, I don't know the exact number, but there are like, there's a technical director and like eight full-time scouts for the entire U.S. You're never going to catch every player who's good. And I think Micah would probably agree. Like of the 40 best kids I played with growing up, maybe one of them maximizes potential of the f- 40 best players I played in college against Alejandro Bedoya made the national team. And he was like maybe the 30th best American player I played against in college. Yeah. There's no, it's so hard because the U S is so big to sort of get your arms around everyone yeah. and systematize development but in any way. What if they just did it in California or something? Like just you're like, you have to move to California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Play US soccer. I mean, California honestly, that's not Florida. the craziest idea. Donnie, you I mean, one of the things that I t- Taylor Twelman obviously had a, a rant that went viral last night and he was sort of talking about this idea that, um, you know, this, this sort of happened to Germany and, and they put together a 10 year plan between the domestic league, the national federation, uh, and the, the national team. And they were like 10 year plan and 10 years later they won the world cup. But do you think that, that that's a little bit dangerous in like the way that teams in the NBA might be like, well, we're just going to do what the Thunder did. 
we're going to get three really great players to the draft, and the next thing you know, we'll jump from like 25 wins to 55 wins or whatever. Because that's actually dependent on those three guys that you draft being really great. Whereas I think it, you could just make the argument that this is like when the Lampard Gerard midfield finally got retired in England. Like maybe it's just this group of guys. That's bad, and yeah. we need to just say Pulisic and everybody else's spot is pretty much in question. Yeah, I don't know necessarily if there is some, you know, magical plan that they can mimic uh, Germany or, or elsewhere that's going to solve the problems. But I think what fans or supporters of the team really want is a semblance of a plan. You know, something that seems like it is thought out and is like there's a philosophy to it. And I, and I think Yergi. Uh, to his credit, I think kind of identified the problems. He just was ill-equipped, I think, to fix them or just got in his own way, and uh, that was his downfall. But you could see when Jurgi first came in that he had these ideas. Everything we're talking about, actually, he's fucking German. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and again, like Jurgi as a manager obviously uh, had his failings, but uh, I think... What what made people excited about him coming is that he immediately saw that, yes, players will get better if they play in Europe. Yes, our youth academy system is fucked. Yes, we have to open it up beyond the suburbs. All of these things. I mean, nothing really happened, of course, and, 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 and his managing skills weren't maybe up to par. But uh, he saw what was wrong, at least. And you felt that there was like, OK, there's a new philosophy coming. And, yeah, and it, he, I think, I feel like we need you to say that the Klinsman era was actually a success, Donnie, to keep going with your brand. Um, but he, you know, he wasn't a good game-to-game manager at all. He sort of could never settle on a lineup and sort of seemed to not really have any practical knowledge of what he was doing and had a lot of ideas. But, like, there started sort of push things in the right direction. Like, we didn't have a... We used to have a U17 team and then a U20 team and nothing in between, which yeah. is like, so just you're on your own to develop for two years, for t- which yeah. is silly. And now we don't have that. Um, but I think, I don't know, I think that this team was bad and this generation is essentially a lost generation, which is, it's So just who would you hard. put in that generation, the players-wise? Who would, when you're talking about, like you guys are talking about these missing players, the lost generation, like who are you talking about? Are you talking about Omar? Are you talking about... Omar Gonzalez, Matt Beasler, I mean Bobby Wood, the well, I the mean, sort of like, ninety to ninety four generation. Yeah. Conveniently, there's a whole Breck list Shea. right here. <laughs> Breck Shea, <laughs> just uh, yeah, Breck Shea, Matt Hedges, Ethan Finley, Miguel Ibarra, Greg Garza, Kellen Rowe, Giassi Zardes. Steve is this the MLS All Star team? <laughs> <laughs> no, these are like this is from kidding. the the article I was mentioning earlier by uh, Brian Scaretta. He went through and uh, listed, well, weeded out all the people that played exclusively internationally, but um, to continue, Greg Garza, Kellen Rowe, Jassi Zardes, Steve Birnbaum, Bobby Wood, uh, Sebastian Liggett, uh, Ventura Alvarado, Perry Kitchen, which we were talking about last <laughs> night, Jokio, uh, Juan Aguadello. DeAndre nice. Yedlin, uh, Jordan Morris. Yeah, so like two of those guys have hit, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so the we're not still not producing enough players to be able to afford that. And then there's like, you know, it, it's you go back and look at, I think you, we can sort of rope Bradley and Altidore into that too, that their generation. Like 
you know, you go back and look at the U20 World Cup 2007. They were both on that team. Freddie Dew was on that team. U.S. beat um, Brazil, mm-hmm. who had Marcelo and Alexander Pato back when he was, was good. not had, yeah. when he had both knee ligaments. They yeah. beat Freddie was awesome. They beat in that game. Uruguay <laughs> when Uruguay had Cavani and Suarez both starting for them in 2007. And then it's like you look at that team and it's like Altidore and Bradley are by far the two best players from it. Most of like half of the team isn't even playing professional soccer anymore when they should be sort of this should be their last World Cup where they're in their prime. Yeah. And then there's the whole Freddie Adu thing. It's like he was supposed to be the star of this generation and then he completely flamed out. So the US just can't isn't good enough to <laughs> make up for that. Yeah. Um so I think it's it's a weird thing because just by virtue of time, this generation has had the most resources and the most behind it um, in the history of American soccer. And I think they have like a psychological grip on the American sports fan. I think that part of the reason why Tim Howard is in, in goal last night, you can't possibly tell me that there is not another goalkeeper, yeah. American yeah, yeah. goalkeeper, who could challenge Guzan and Tim Howard for a spot on that team. I mean, it's just, that's not true, right? Yeah. So he part of the why, like Bill Hammond would have get a good choice. The actually. fingerprints of that generation, like the the Bradley Dempsey Tim spine of this team, that I think, look, this happens in in a lot of countries yeah. where there are very popular players who basically pick themselves. Yeah, and it, it's very hard to untangle. Like those guys are on billboards. Those guys are in Nike ads. Mm-hmm. Those guys are the face you think of when you think of "I believe that we will win." And that happened in England for years. That happens in uh, Argentina. That happens all over the place where it's just like some guys are undroppable. And if you and and international managers do not have job security. And it's very rare that the, someone can come in and just be like, they've tried to do it in England multiple times where they were just like, it's time to clear these guys out. These like, guys are soft. Like, get them <laughs> out of here. And they didn't do it. They didn't do it until the t- players themselves started retiring from international football and being like, I'm going to move on. I can't. Like, and, and I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't expect any of these guys to say, like, I raised my hand. I don't think I should be playing for the U.S. national team anymore. Yeah. But... There's a degree to which I think you look at something like this, they should have beaten Costa Rica, they should have beaten Honduras, and they should have beaten Trinidad, and they didn't. And it's this group, it's this group of players that need to be blamed, not necessarily some 12-year-old or some coach of a 10-year-old because he's not teaching them how to play like Sevilla. No, I totally totally agree, Um, and I think it's just a... I personally think it's like a, this is going to be the worst U.S. team, basically... For the remainder of American soccer history, the team is just always only going to get right. better and better and better and better and better. Um, but this just—it's like how do you how do you know that, Ryan? I think <laughs> again, I feel like it's like a little bit of arrogance here, or like I think America has gotten delusional about how good it is. I don't think that the U.S. is going to win the World Cup anytime soon. They just have the sort of system in place to produce enough players where if the seven guys in the U- U-20 team fail, there are another seven guys that are good enough to take their right. spot. And right. we didn't. Mm-hmm. We just haven't had that in the past. Um, the infrastructure just wasn't there. So the, the numbers are always on the U.S.'s side, right, just because— that's true for the U.S. and essentially and typically everything. the yeah. money is too. Um, but isn't that true for China? China I, mm. has China been working to qualify for the World Cup for as, they, as, yeah. as long? 
They have been. I mean, it's more probably uh, more of a recent drive. But yes, the government is very much invested. No, I know having, now they are. But I, don't, yeah. I was just like, it seemed like it was a more recent phenomenon. I mean, I guess I just said, you know, there's like it seems to be like it's almost delusional, I think, because, Chris, even in your example, you're comparing them to Argentina. Like, so I think if the U.S. program is thinking people are undroppable because of Nike ads or whatever, I mean, there, there should no, I mean, it's like U.S. shouldn't consider itself like Argentina or England. No, I mean, I, I, I take your point, but I'm not trying to say like, oh, the U.S. has like a, a footballing legacy like Argentina or players. There are players on Argentina's bench that would be the greatest United States soccer player of all time. Like, right, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, Pablo Dybala would probably be the greatest U.S. soccer you player mean, ever functionally? right now, right? Yeah. Right, and he didn't start for Argentina yesterday. And you know what? It's not an American issue where it's, like, lots of big countries with, like, a lot of money behind their footballing programs barely qualified for the World Cup this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo just got into the World Cup by beating Switzerland on the last day. Like, and that's a Euro championship team that he was playing on. Yeah. Some teams... World Cup qualifying is hard. It takes place at stupid times. It's got a lot of like hurdles you have to jump. And yes, sometimes like England goes out and gets ten points and coasts in. But sometimes it's it's like what happened to Portugal and what happened to Argentina, where you basically have to pull off some last day magic. That's part of the problem. It's that's part of the deal. Sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like not not specifically in the Conca the Concacaf. <laughs> I mean, like it's it's there are literally there are almost infinite chances not to I mean to mess up and still get into the World Cup. Yeah, and I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the World Cup is like you're playing f- five or six games, so it's yeah. like. W- Tiny little things sort of affect how you do at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I'm talking more about just like the general picture of the U.S. national team and the talent pool and the talent at the highest level. I think just everything that's in place suggests that that is going to be better going forward. Um, I mean, we don't know how the team's going to perform in four years, but it just things are kind of headed in the right direction with that um despite everything that just happened do you guys i mean i don't know you if you guys played with multiple clubs like when you were in college and then you had a club team or when you were in high school you were like on a high school team and had a club team so i don't know how much you can speak to whether or not this is it's difficult to keep two sets of tactical philosophies in mind at the same time or something but do you think that there's anything too that there should basically be the same way that arsenal sometimes has like a early round league cup team like, should the states basically have a qualifying team? And, like, that, that there's a group of players a lot, you know, could, could they qualify without having to bring guys back from Europe? I mean, I know you always want to play your best players, but there was something about the disjointedness of this team recently that I found, like, a little bit striking. And I, I, don't, I don't know whether it's like, hey, have, like, a, have a group of guys who are training domestically. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm actually, like, just trying to think, like, what are the answers here? Well, let me add on to that real quick. I mean, do you guys think that if... Uh, the U.S. had come out yesterday in like a four-five-one and just parked the bus because all they really needed was a they result, a draw, draw. Yeah. and they would at least be in the playoffs, right? No matter what else happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that again speaks a little bit to arrogance. But do you think that, you know, how do you think that strategy would have gone over? Because that's kind of what England's been doing in their whole qualification campaign, and and the English are pretty much apoplectic about how bad the team is, but they're in the fucking World Cup. I mean, it's it's a you're right. Like they, pl- you know, they needed to beat Panama, and th- so they come out and play this extremely aggressive lineup. 
and they open the game up and they just run Panama over. And it's like, just because that worked at Pan- in, against Panama in a game that you needed to win at home doesn't mean you need to play the same way. The exact the same exact way. The exact same way with the same players who, mm-hmm. again, are... We talk about it all the time with club teams. If you're playing two games in five days, you just naturally are going to be more tired, mm-hmm. especially with the guys that traveled. Um, and I, it's, it's a great point, Donnie, because... You know, the the tactics of the national team is a separate issue from a lot of what we're talking about, but when was the last time you watched the US game and you were just like, they played that right? Like they just that they <laughs> they they knew the talent they had, they approached the game properly and it worked out for them. I can't literally can't remember the last time. No, that honestly, like I, I when I watch the US team, I'm just like, this doesn't even I, I I'm not trying I'm I'm definitely I'm I swear I'm not trolling, but we were just before the recording talking about their midfield. I look at I'm like who put this midfield together? Everything yeah. that I know about what mid, like when we watch club football, you're just like watching these intricate, very defined midfields, like run games, boss games, or yeah. lose teams games because yes. they're not good enough. I fun, sometimes will just be watching. I'm like, is Michael Bradley the only midfielder who's playing today? Like, he, what he, is he going was. on? He was basically, <laughs> yeah, he basically was. <laughs> like also having Bruce Reed after the game talking about. Uh, we needed our center backs to step up, and it's just like, well, you probably shouldn't have left Jeff Cameron on the bench, the only person that yeah. gets regular minutes in the Premier League. Yeah, so I think basically what this conversation has told us is that it was literally a failure on every level from the player <laughs> to the manager to the, my dad didn't develop me into a national team player. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, uh, hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back. U.S. fans... While you're depressed and staring at yourself in the mirror with your clothes off, contemplating what happened this past week, you want to look good in your underwear and be comfortable, right? But that balance is hard to find. Well made from a sustainably sourced, naturally soft fabric that is three times softer than cotton, Me Undies will be the most comfortable pair of underwear you'll ever own. For the fellas, Me Undies diamond sealed pouch cradles your jewels and gives your stuff the support it needs without feeling too tight. Meanwhile, ladies will love the soft, eco-friendly fabric. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. So right now, MeUndies has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Get 20% off of your first pair plus free shipping. And don't forget about that 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love your first pair, you'll get a full refund. This is a no-brainer. 20% off, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. What are you waiting for? Imagine if U.S. soccer could offer us the same sort of guarantees. Just go to MeUndies.com slash FC to get 20% off, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee on the best, softest underwear you'll ever own. That's MeUndies.com slash FC. This is a limited-time offer, so what are you waiting for? Start wearing the best underwear of your life. It changed my life. It's time to let MeUndies change yours. Go to MeUndies.com slash FC right now. Diamond pouch! (laughs) Welcome back. We've fired Chris Ryan. um, Sacked. Halfway through qualification. (laughs) Yeah, taking a page out of what the U.S. should do with their manager soon. Um, And now it's just me, Micah, and Donnie. Um, So we're going to run through a couple couple questions related to the U.S., Maybe this conversation will be a little less depressing than the first segment. Probably not. Um, first question, who should replace Bruce Arena? Not on, not our Bruce Arena, but the actual Bruce Arena. Uh, well, <laughs> no, the, uh, like I, want, I want Marcel Bielsa. 
I think that's oh. what he, that's I th- I feel like I feel like it should either be him or Carlo Ancelotti. Those are the only two <laughs> names that I will accept, actually. Um, but the favorite seems to be uh, Tab Ramos. Tab Ramos, who's the director of the technical. The I'm not saying that, like, yeah, currently. I wouldn't. I, I'm not saying that that's like what I would do. I'm just saying that that's probably going to. That seems to be the consensus. Tab Ramos no, think, was my favorite player growing up, but uh, I, I think Tab Ramos is great. But it's just yeah, it's kind of like why? again nepotism or again, yeah, going I mean, the uh, like exactly, it's not nothing's really going to change, and also like. It's a hard job directing the entire U.S. technical youth system. So then making that guy the manager, too, is probably um, not the best idea. Who would you pick, Donnie? Well, I have a wild card. I mean, he's currently employed, but it's the only guy in the Premier League with the U.S. cap, the only manager. Our favorite, David Wagner. (laughs) (laughs) You mean your least favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think, yeah, I I do think he gets a little extra uh, on the sidelines and Mm -hmm. stuff, but... Uh, you know, he's young, he's German, he has German background, uh, he seems to have a philosophy, uh, and, no, you know, he knows what to, how to work, maximize talent, so why not? Yeah, I think we were literally just looking for any philosophy. Any um, any philosophy at all. <laughs> uh, my pick would be Sean Deitch. We don't have to get into this, and I'm 100% serious. Uh, just give me someone who will set up the team Seriously? Yeah, and just, not give up goals and let your best player do what he wants. Um, just make it extreme. Just make us extremely hard to beat. We don't necessarily have to win games. Exactly, and Sean Deitch <laughs> is essentially the Ireland manager, considering the number of Burnley players that are on Ireland, and that's going well for Ireland. So, all right, second question. Donnie, will the U.S. ever make the World Cup again? 100% they will. <laughs> First of all, the field is being expanded uh, to 48 teams for Qatar in 2022, which still actually might end up being moved to the United States. And even if it's not moved to the United States, the U.S. is the front runner for, to host 2026. And, of course, as the host, you get an, you automatic, an automatic bid. bid. So they'll be in the next two World Cups. So we'll have Pulisic at 23 and 27, I guess. What, what would happen if... The U.S. didn't qualify, but then they had to move the World Cup to the U.S. at the last minute in 2022. Would the U.S. get a bid, or would Qatar get to come here and play? That's an interesting hypothetical, Micah. What do you think? Were they gonna? Are we ever gonna see the world, the U.S. at the World Cup ever again? <laughs> I just like the. I'm just enjoying the fact that we're only talking about this in caveats and not necessarily in <laughs> loopholes. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I mean, like if if we host it, probably <laughs> no. But I mean, like in all seriousness, we talked about this earlier. I think that it will we'll be able to get back on track. We'll we I I think that we'll at least get Pulisic for two more World Cups. Not probably not three. <laughs> oh <my laughs> so we're gonna miss the World Cup that we're supposedly hosting, basically. Uh. Um, okay, third question. Should I buy a U.S. jersey next summer? Or not, should I buy one? Will I be able to buy a U.S. jersey next summer? I mean, one? like, they're going to be on sale. Like, <laughs> you, can, you can buy one, probably at a discounted price. Did you guys see, actually, the leak of the Nike uh, kit for that, that the U.S. team was supposed to wear in Russia? It's kind of, uh, it's way different than what they've been wearing uh, in the qualifications. It's kind of like half-flag, sort of kind of avant-garde-looking thing. I haven't to- seen it. To- total silence. <laughs> total <laughs> silence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. It's sort of a 
fate. The it's the that it's like a gradient kind the, of the gradient that everyone everyone's obsessed with. Um, yeah, it actually looked it looks much better than what they've been wearing. So I agree. I think so. Buy one. Yeah. Fuck it. The U.S. is gonna look awesome when they're playing. Uh, Panama in a friendly, to, <laughs> friendly to warm up in a tune-up friendly. <laughs> yeah. um, but they'll they'll definitely release a new U.S. jersey because the the women's team is actually going to play in the World Cup and they need one. So, um, okay, so the U.S. won't be in Russia, um, soccer wise. That is, who should I root for instead, Donnie? I would say Korea. Because I'm Korean, <laughs> but don't root for them because they're gonna definitely not make it out of the group stage. Uh, I've mentioned them before, but Belgium. Belgium's fun to watch. Belgium's exciting. Belgium has all your favorite players in world football, and they have Thierry Henry as an assistant coach. So Belgium. Mm. Micah. Well, I mean, like I think everyone knows that I want to say France, but I mean, like that is <laughs> obviously like that's picking the 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 front runner. <laughs> Um, which is cheating. So why not root for Iceland? The feel-good story. They just they qualified with a 2-0 win over Kosovo. They found a system that works for them. Uh, they had a, a brilliant and lovely Euros run. Uh, they beat England, and I everybody you know bit their whole steez with the clap thing. So <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's a great pick. Although that's a that's a great way for us to continually hear this thing that Iceland is smaller than like every mid-sized American city. Um, <laughs> actually literally sure. pick anyone. Um, name some, name, name yeah, some, right? Uh, Columbus, Des Moines. Uh, Topeka. Yeah. Wilmington, Delaware. That one actually might be smaller. Um, my pick would be the actual most popular national team in the U.S., uh, oh, which is Mexico. <laughs> um, I think a lot of the talk about the U.S., the economic blow of the U.S. missing the World Cup is actually misguided because the real economic blow would be if Mexico missed the World Cup because I reported a story on this a couple of years ago for a different job. A, a couple people think that Mex the Mexican national team is the most popular sports team in America. Um so if you're actually an American and you actually have pride for this country, you should be rooting for Mexico next summer. What do you think, Micah? Um, listen. Are you going to buy a, a Andres Guardado jersey? <laughs> Chicharito, <laughs> no, you, you got a Chicharito jersey. Come on, man. You know how much I love Chicharito. <laughs> All right. The final question. Um, I'm really depressed. So what game should I watch this weekend in Europe to get my mind off of uh, the worst result in American soccer history? Uh, well, I mean, like, we're both, let's, let's not kid ourselves. We're both going to be watching United-Liverpool, uh, which will be at 4.25 a.m. our time. Yeah. <laughs> um, at which I mean, like, and we talked about, a little bit about this yesterday, is that, like, I, I think that, this is going to be good because it's the first real test for um, kind of both of these sides, right? It, well, it, it would have been Manchester City for y'all, but for Sadio Mane taking Ederson's face off. Yeah, and Sadio Mane is now injured and won't be playing in this yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. International soccer is a disease. <laughs> um, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Also, Fellini's injured. It's, well, we might as well not player. even play it. Same quality of player. <laughs> 
Uh, no, but I mean, like, it, that game ought to be interesting, at least more interesting than either of the games last season, one of which also happened after an international break, and then the other one was... Uh, what, what what happened with that one? Why was that one so uninteresting? Because Jose Mourinho manages Manchester United. That's a good point. And that's what he does. And that is a very a good, good point. Team. So, yeah, we'll get to see if he actually wants to play an attacking formation against Liverpool and actually go out or just park the bus and try to, you know, get a utilitarian 1-0 win. That, uh, that sounds like a really terrible way to get my mind off of yeah, what happened with the U.S. What about, what do you think, Donnie? Of course, I'm going to say Arsenal. Oh, Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing Watford. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm an Arsenal supporter, but I'm also interested in the the the, the midfielder for Watford, the, uh, what's his name? Nathaniel Chaloba. Chaloba, yeah, because yeah. Uh, he's, still, he's, still on, he's still a, a low knee, right? Well, I think... No, I, if you have to ask, the answer is probably yes. Is he not, Micah? I don't think so. I thought I thought that he was uh, bought outright by Watford this past. So in, in any event, I keep hearing his name as like potentially squeezing into the World Cup setup for England because mm-hmm. uh, their midfield is looking a little barren at the moment. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on him. Uh, Harry Winks got a start for England over the past he, week. Exactly. That, that's a real person. Um, so my choice here. It's just a really funny day. <laughs> um, shout out Harry Winks. Uh, my choice here would have the most entertaining game of the weekend is going to be Borussia Dortmund versus RB Leipzig. Oh, um, yeah. But if you don't want to think about the U.S., you probably shouldn't <laughs> be watching Christian Pulisic play and probably thrive um, and do do great things. That's not going to make you feel good about what just happened. So I think I'm going to say definitely not Liverpool Man U because that game is on way too early and it's going to be a depressing outcome um, <laughs> no matter what happens. I'm going to say uh, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Um, partially because Lionel Messi is god as we saw um, who cares about the u.s he, you get to live while he's alive he scored three goals in a must-win game for uh argentina in ecuador and i think sort of ended the argument over whether him or christian pulisic was the best player in the world i think messi sort of shut the shut the book on that one or closed the chapter i'm glad that we could finally figure that out yeah um and Athletic, I think the Barca-Atletico games are always fascinating because their styles are so different. And I think Atletico, um, they're, they're not as good as they've been in past years, but they're still just like a bear trap, basically, yeah, to play against. they're still giant killers. Um, and Barca has been riding Messi as a one-man team. So I think, you know, I think there's a sort of an array of outcomes with this game, um, which is, I guess, sort of what it is with the U.S. always, Can too. I- can I add two final quick questions yes, that I just thought of? let's go for it. Uh, regarding the U.S. One, why the fuck was the game on BN yesterday? I mean, I guess I know why they have the rights, but <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's kind of annoying that it's a channel that nobody gets, and I guarantee 8 out of 10 people watching were watching on some fuzzy stream. Yeah, or NBC, That's question number one. And, and question two is, what would have the media reaction in the U.S. have been if Bruce Arena, after the match, said... Genetically, we are behind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so wait, it was it was the Slovakia game, right? 
Um, yeah, I believe. Yeah, Scotland was playing a World Cup qualifier against Slovakia, for those of you that don't know what <laughs> what Donnie's talking about. And after the game, Gordon Strachan was just going on and on about how like he how tall like the Slovakian players were and like how small the Scottish players were. And I mean, like you know, just basically, just like let's get let's get the tallest people, the tallest man, the tallest woman <laughs> in Scotland to just mate. And he wasn't joking. Yeah, he was he was dead ass serious. And it's just like, okay, but like I mean, that's it's not really an immediate solution, is it? Even like, <laughs> you know, what was dope about that? He said that we are the second smallest team outside of Spain when he was trying to, like, act like it was a bad thing. This is comparing yourself to arguably the greatest soccer-playing country in the world um, is not really a good way to engender any sympathy. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know, it might have been better, though, than what Bruce Arena actually said, which is that nothing needs to change. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's a that's a good note for us to end on, though. Um, so for Micah and Donnie, the U.S. will not be going to the World Cup because of our faulty DNA. Uh, we, <laughs> we're all accountable. Um, next week we'll be back talking Premier League. Um, probably talk U.S. national team again because I'm sure something uh, is going to happen um, with people in charge over the next couple weeks. But thanks for listening and. Uh, We'll get them. We'll get them in 2022. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.